podcast intent for information on educational purposes only, not for the purpose of rendering medical advice. As always, information should be pulled from multiple credible sources. Cross reference wormlet your almost accurate hypothesis. Evans can support always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any question regarding a medical condition. <gasps> this is the actual PT podcast, where actual problems meet actual evidence, producing actual results. And your hosts, Troy Lind and Taylor Flocken. Hello, actual PT nation. 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 <laughs> that was impromptu. Uh, hey, here's your host, Troy Linden, Taylor Flocken. Howdy. How, how are you, Tyler? Oh, I'm doing fine, Roy. Doing fine. I'm actually impressed. It is... Actual uh, PT? Actually PT impressed. Um <laughs> It is not snowing outside. Um, mm. I thought we were doing going to be doing a seasonal episode, but I guess we're doing weekly now. That's kind of weird. Uh, closer to weekly, <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, it's actually beautiful outside for once. Let's let's get after it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Love Tell it. me uh, what's the uh, what's the topic? What are we getting into? Yes, absolutely. So today the, <clears throat> the topic is hamstring pulls or tears. Um, if you're in ever in any form of athletics, don't get me wrong, that doesn't happen to everyone, but I know this happened to me quite frequently, uh, and it's a very big part of athletics. Uh, hamstring pulls or tears happen very, very often, Taylor. Didn't know if you knew that or not. Oh, I uh, was pretty well aware. I've been lucky. I've been able to avoid a lot of the hamstring issues, but I've also I didn't really do too many sports. I had like a lot of heavy running, that sort of thing. Yeah, in yeah, it. yeah. So um, mm-hmm. That makes sense. And your hamstrings are tighter than all get out. So that- there's nowhere for them to move. Can't tear if they're too tight, <laughs> right? Yeah, I think that's yeah. I think that's how, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now what I want to do is I want to give a brief uh, instruction in the anatomy, real quick. So for the PTs out in the world that are listening, you, this is going to just be obvious to you. But uh, for everyone else, there are four hamstring muscles that contribute into the hamstring group. So the main, so really there's three, but then there's a long head and a short head of one, so we say four. But mm-hmm. so the first one is the biceps femoris or femoris. It lays on kind of the lateral side of the back of your leg. Um, the long head goes from the ischial tuberosity, which is uh, basically where your gluteal folds are, and it goes down to the head of the fibula. And the short head is actually on the femur itself and then that goes down to the head of the fibula so basically one part goes over two joints which Mm -hmm. we'll kind of get into the biomechanics of later and the other part the short head does not it only crosses the knee Mm -hmm. um and then the other two muscles which are on the medial side of your femur or the leg on the back of the back or posterior part of the leg is the semimembranosus and the semitendinosus these also go or or, or originate from the ischial tube and they insert on the medial side of the leg or onto the tibia. So basically you have two muscles that go from the ischial tube to the tibia and you have two muscles that go from the ischial tube or the femur to the fibula. And so that's how your that's what your hamstring group is made up of, those four muscles and how they interact is now up to old Tyler. Can you tell us about the biomechanics there, Tyler, a little bit? 
Oh, I think I can share a, a nugget or two. Um, so, yeah, as uh, uh, Mr. Roy here was saying... Um, That's me. True. <laughs> they're, they are two joint muscles, and so within that, they do serve a pretty important purpose for our brain. It helps, a, helps the brain kind of know exactly where you know your hip joint is and then also where the knee joint is in space. This gives tons of important information in terms for things like squats, uh, lunging, you know, all these in running and all these different things that, you know, we do in our daily life. Um, in terms of like athletics with specifically with running, one of the things they do is that as you're swinging that leg forward and you're about to, uh, and you're about to step down, your hamstrings work to help slow down the acceleration of that leg. So that way it can hit and then get ready to pull back again for another uh, step. And that's actually also where a lot of the injuries occur is during that, you know, full uh, being fully stretched out and then having the sudden force of gravity as you touch down. That's where a lot of them uh, tend to occur. Um, Yeah. And one I was just going to add one thing to kind of help picture the proprioception, uh, how what what they do, what the hamstrings do proprioceptively is. have Have you ever seen? A young kid run, just a Bambi looking son of a gun, like just goofier and all get out. Yeah. Well, a lot of the times it's because those two joint muscles, or I mean, most muscles in the individual, but a lot of times the two joint muscles, which do much proprioceptively, they grow so fast that they just mm. it's he's uncoordinated. He hasn't figured out the neurologic patterning. the The nervous system hasn't regained proper control of yet. He or she. And usually men because they mature later, but uh, that's why they look so goofy. It's because it plays mm-hmm. into it, and they aren't able to tell that they look like a baby deer running down the highway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I still look like that. But, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Your nervous yeah. system is still trying to catch up at twenty eight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, tell us more about that mechanism mechanism of injury, Taylor, because I know a lot of people. A lot of our athletes uh, have just a massive deficit in their posterior chain. So yes. me, myself, for instance, when I was in high school, I told you guys I had, I've had numerous hamstring pulls or tears. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know myself personally, I had a mas- massive deficit in the fact that I was very quad dominant. Mm-hmm. So basically my exercise routine at the time uh, due to my high school coaches' programs that they gave me was a lot of just quad dominant stuff. Yeah. A lot of shallow squats, not very much posterior chain work. Mm. And because of that, it created a deficit, which causes the injury. Yeah, yeah. And when, when we say posterior chain, we, may, we mean the muscles on the back of your legs, you know, your glutes, your hamstrings. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's kind of like the, I think those are like some of the big ones. Then also, I mean, in general, flexibility of the uh, whole thing in, in and of itself as well. But I, I think the way we train definitely factors into this. And there's a ton of really good research that kind of like builds into that. And we'll kind of get into a lot of that stuff towards the end in terms of Keeping your hamstrings healthy for years to come. Years to come. Years to come. Um, yeah, and then uh, before we get to that, a good way to understand uh, the grade or the severity of the injury that you have is uh, just a real basic and simple grading system, which is 
one, two, three, or mild, moderate, and severe. Do you have any information on that there, Tyler fucking swag? Oh, for sure I do. For sure I do. The I think the biggest way to look at this or the simplest way is what can you do after it happens, you know? So if it's a grade one, there's going to be a minimal loss of function. You're still going to be able to complete whatever you're doing. It's, it's going to be a little sore. It's and, an owie. Yeah, it's an owie. It's an owie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So grade one is an owie. Grade two is, I dare say, uh, an ouchie. <laughs> no. No, no, it's probably more than that. It's a, <laughs> but, little, it's, it's a little greater than an ouchie. Yeah, yeah, it's a big ouchie. Yeah. Um, so there is a clear loss of function at grade two, okay? You are unable to continue the uh, current activity. Uh, you, just have to, you just have to throw in the towel. Uh, and then finally, grade three. I mean, this is a complete loss of muscle function, and this is complete disability. And part of the reason it is is that at grade three, the muscle is completely severed. It is, uh, it's in half. There's one piece here. There's one piece there. They're not touching. Um, and so grade three, most of the time that's going to be required of a surgical, surgical surgical intervention. Um, and you don't want to wait on that too long because then the muscles ball up and then that's a huge mess. Um, so grade one and two, you know, you're going to be able to rehab that, uh, you need to be smart with how you do it, but you're going to be able to rehab that. Grade three, uh, you're, you're probably going to need a surgery for that. And this isn't just for hamstrings. This is just kind of in general for muscle tears, muscle, uh, yeah, muscle tears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's good to note that if you have a grade one, you can always progress forward and backward in the system, the grading system. So if you have mm-hmm. a one, don't think that, oh, I just have a grade one. It's okay. If you keep playing on it, you can cause a two, grade two or a grade three. Oh, absolutely. And... If anything, I would argue that you're at greater risk. Um, I, mean, I don't have any re- numbers to back me up here, but I'd argue you're at greater risk because of the natural tendency of the body to want to unweight it. There's a neurologic inhibition in that muscle where it's not going to be contracting as hard. He's not going to be doing his job nearly as well. And you know, when you do that to a muscle that's so heavily proprioceptively important, uh, you guys just kind of setting yourself up for uh, danger. Yeah, especially in high-level athletics. I mean, if you think about football, soccer, basketball, I mean, anything at like a, a high and, – and, and I mean high level of competition, which is – it's all relative to the athlete. I mean, sure. a lot of people say, oh, like, you know, oh, it's just high school football or it's, yeah. it's uh, Division three soccer or something. But it's all relative, relative to the individual, how much for sure. intensity and effort you're putting into it. So – even if you're just a sedentary person and you're going on a hike, mm-hmm. that is high-level sport for you because you're mm-hmm. sedentary. You're not doing these things. Or maybe you're saying, oh, I'm just going and doing a light pickup basketball game, but you just sat on the couch and ate potato chips all COVID season, yeah. which a lot of us did. So mm-hmm. it's, it's all relative to the athlete, but when you're doing higher-level uh, athletics or competition, yeah, you're right. You just, you, you're putting yourself at more of a – risk of injury with any form of grade one or grade two um and in doing so as taylor kind of alluded to the the nervous system or the human body in general does some things where it as soon as it has pain or injury to any muscle ligament tendon or any area it kind of turns off or you can think of it as a radio right it turns down Mm -hmm. the muscles in that region to prevent further injury because there's, they're obviously not going to be at 100%, right? Like say you get a, mm-hmm. you're a grade one, 
and maybe now your muscle, your force production with that muscle is now only at like 80%. Well, it knows that, right? Your body knows that it can no longer do what it was doing. So it's going to tell you this hurts. We have inflammation. We have swelling. We have mm -hmm. a decrease in strength or force production. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of doing the job for you to help prevent further injury. So if you push into that, which you are able to do at this stage, grade one, mm -hmm. but if you push into that, you have to know that you are more susceptible to ca causing greater distress or greater injury. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, you have anything now before we kind of get into uh, the rehab part of this? No, I think it's good. Uh, and I think, yeah, so as I alluded to earlier, how you train sets up kind of your susceptibility to injury in a lot of things. And so, and for instance, if you don't train your posterior chains enough or it's weaker, uh, you're more likely to have this injury. So once you have the injury, Taylor, what are what do we kind of do as a physical therapist standpoint post-injury? So I've, mm. I've had the flat tire, I like to call it, or hamstring pull, mm -hmm. grade one or grade two, doesn't really matter which one. Yeah. Um, how are you going after it or attacking this as a physical therapist? Yeah, yeah. It, the way that I'd be really kind of going after it, you know, you get past, you know, the kind of the acute pain stuff, you know, the swelling, you know, you want to get that under control pretty quickly. But the thing that you really want to start getting into, and this is uh, kind of a weird one, is you want to get into agility training and then also trunk stabilization. So essentially, you want to get into core work and then also a quick movement with the feet. Um, and... I think that the agility work, I think that makes sense just because the hamstrings are such an important muscle proprioceptively. Mm -hmm. um, I think building back up a lot of those connections with that uh, fine motor coordination with the leg, you know, how do you step whenever you go do this? Are you able to do these quick, tiny, um, very precise movements? I think that helps to kind of rebuild the muscle proprioceptively. And then in terms of the trunk stabilization, the thing that I tell patients to think about with it is... The hamstrings, they're a two-joint muscle. They have an effect on your pelvis. Your core muscles, your abdominals, those have an effect on your pelvis. So essentially, you're strengthening the core, you're strengthening the, your brain's ability to use your core and keep that pelvis nice and stable. So that way the hamstrings can focus more on some of the other things, the jobs that they do. They, they wear a lot of hats in the body. They, they, they wear a lot of hats. They do. And the last uh, thing, little thing also is to get into a progressive uh, running program. Um, the, the research shows that getting into that as well also uh, helps to uh, rehab them hamstrings and get them ready to fire again. Yeah, and fancy. this kind of goes against the common i guess like the initial idea of oh we just need to strengthen the guys we need to strengthen and stretch yeah. them yeah. uh there was a study that looked at that and it was a, it was a couple years back it was, it's been a good minute um sherry 2004 uh took a look at hamstring injuries and said all right we're gonna try the stretching and strengthening versus uh, agility and trunk stabilization stuff so the re-injury rate at two weeks, the just the regular stretching and strengthening, the re-injury rate was at fifty-five percent. The stabilization group was at zero percent. That's at just at two weeks. So let's look even further down the line. Let's mm -hmm. look at it one year. I'd love that. I'd love to. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to look at it. Oh, the light is bright down the line. It's bright. Okay. Yeah. The... I thought you weren't supposed to go to the light. Hmm? I thought you weren't supposed to go to the light. I, I think in this instance it's okay. Okay. I, th I think. Let's go to line. 
Yeah. The uh, hamstring strengthening group at one year, 70% of those people had a uh, reoccurrence or a, another hamstring injury. The, sta- the agility and trunk stabilization group, those guys had an 8% reoccurrence rate. That is drastic differences. Huge, 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 huge differences. Yeah. And I didn't, uh, and I also, I think I forgot to uh, touch on this earlier with the, uh, with the trunk um, stabilization type stuff. I think it's also important to note that getting that going along with uh, some of the hamstring stuff, it helps them to be able to work together, work in conjunction with each other. There's a couple of exercises that I'll sometimes have people do, and whenever I first have them do it, it's incredible just how shuddery it is. It's like the abdominals are trying to do something, that you know, they're just like stepping over each other, kind I of. I say shuddery as in not smooth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's... Um, yeah, very shuddery. They're like the way that they come down and everything. So, now I don't know, just a little extra food for thought. Yeah. And another thing to that I want to kind of just go back to when he says the acute, earlier he referenced the acute uh, phase stuff or the acute uh, injury stuff. What he means is the first approximately three weeks of the injury, depending on the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a lot of pain, a lot of swelling, a lot of bruising. I mean, I mean picture this with any injury you have. Mm-hmm. You know, you rolled your ankle and it's super purple. It's, it's yeah. almost impossible to walk on. This is the acute phase of the injury where you have a lot of blood pooling in that area because of a lot of damage, a lot of injury. Really, really painful. So what Taylor's saying is basically in this area of rehab, a lot of what we do is we try to just get a lot of that pain, a lot of that swelling down. We try to get it moving. We like to get mm-hmm. it. So if it's your hamstring, we like to move it in a pain-free range. We like mm-hmm. to do things that keep it active because you want you want the fibers that are there to help you pump mm. some of that swelling out yeah but then at the same time as he just alluded to at the research he, now this fa- that phase because you're so limited it's a fantastic time to start working on your stabilization your core yeah type stuff so it you don't want to do a lot of crossover with regards to you know you don't want to do a lot of cutting and stuff obviously at this time you don't want to do no. the agility portion but you can start retraining or training if you haven't started the core mm to strengthen it and another thing that i like to think of is how the core plays into this so much is just a transfer of uh energy or transfer of force right so if you if your legs contract and you're trying to push or pull or move something or move your body the core is responsible for keeping the top half of your body attached to those legs right yeah so if you're going to cut and the core isn't sufficient enough then there's going to be a disconnect and it's almost like if you were to get just like I said earlier, flat tire, right? Mm. If you get a flat tire in your car, you can no longer transfer that force to the mm. ground like you should. And it's going to, if you have a flat tire and you try to keep driving on it, it's going to have huge de- like detriments to your vehicle, right? Yeah. To your alignment. I mean, you name it. It's the same thing in the human body. You're just not, you're just going to be missing. You're going to be spinning. You're going to have things uh, mm. not firing properly. Well, and, and not only that, but your uh, overall, your, physical performance is going to be decreased because mm-hmm. so much energy is being wasted. It's yeah. being lost uh, in the joints of your uh, spine and your pelvis, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And um, I actually did uh, miss one extra part of that uh, study uh, from earlier that I mentioned with the, uh, uh, the hamstring strengthening and the uh, trunk stabilization group, uh, the time to return to sport, the hamstring strengthening group, 33 days. The stabilization group, they were at 19 days. So, that's massive. Yeah. Especially if you're like mid-season for an athlete. Mm-hmm. That's, 
I mean, that could be if you're doing a game a week, you know, that means you're back yeah. in one, one, you miss one game or you're back in one game yeah. as compared to missing a quarter or a third of the season or something. Exactly. And the, you know, how long we spend in that really acute phase, it, you know, it goes back to the grade of tear that you have, you yep. know, yep. and how severe. And, you know, it's it's not like it's, you know, necessarily black and white. Like there can be a little bit of cross in between, you know, depending on the severity of the injury where it's like, is it the one, is it the two, maybe some one and a half? I don't know. Yeah, it's all it's gray. This isn't yeah. black and white at all. Well, grade three is black and white. That, that, that one is. That one's pretty cut and dry. <laughs> that one's pretty, literally yeah, yeah, cut. Yeah. And cut. Yeah, cut. Yeah, cut. <laughs> um, but yeah, one and two, you're absolutely right. It's it's gray. It's just mm. they're, they're, it's just kind of a blend. The only way that you can really tell a difference, as you alluded to, is the function. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I think um, that's yeah. all, all I wanted on the uh, rehab. Yeah, now, now we want to give you a little tidbit on the prehab or the post- uh, or the, the, the rehab that you should do to prevent the injury is another way of saying it. We just like to call it prehab because we just like making yep. things as short and sweet as possible. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, Taylor, give us some protocols or some things that you would recommend yep. for athletes out there to do to prevent hamstring pulls or strains. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I definitely recommend a lot of you know what we kind of said earlier with the core stabilization and agility work. You want to make sure you're keeping up with that stuff. But in terms of like just like pure exercises, this is uh, this is pre-injury. This is to prevent injury. Mm -hmm. There is a really good evidence for uh, doing what we call eccentric work with your hamstrings. And so, if you want to think of kind of like uh, you know a bicep curl, whenever you pull the weight up. That's the concentric part of the movement. And if you're primarily focusing on that, you're just pulling it up and you're just uh, lowering it back down, hopefully in a controlled manner. But, you know, you're not just throwing weight around. But you're not too focused on the lowering. When you're doing an eccentric-based exercise, you're concerned with how fast you're lowering that weight. So with eccentrics, they're typically very slow and you're really just trying to almost uh, push that muscle to uh, kind of a failure a little bit. Uh, there was a study that kind of looked at this, and they did uh, what they called Nordic hamstring lowering, which you can uh, Google that. That's Nordic hamstring lowering. I mean, essentially, the guy who's doing the exercise is laying on his stomach, and the other guy who has to help him is holding his legs still. That guy is uh, coming up, bending at the knees, and then slowly lowering himself back down to just laying on his stomach. Uh, this... Uh, Doing this exercise resulted in a 60% reduction of hamstring injury for a men's soccer team. That's huge. Yep, exactly. And, you know, this is just one exercise to do. This isn't like the only one you should do. One of the things that should also be considered is doing eccentrics, what we call in the lengthened state. So you want to take that uh, hamstring, you want to stretch them out and make sure you're going through the entire range of motion while doing these eccentric exercises. Yeah, um, and it just goes back to training uh, muscles or doing your strength training or your exercise fundamentally sound because mm -hmm. uh, the PTs in the room know that you every muscle is stronger eccentrically than it is compared to it is concentrically, mm -hmm. which means that when you lift something up, when you when you curl something up, so if it's your hamstrings, you shorten your hamstrings, right? You're bringing your heel to your bottom, to your butt, 
And so when I bring something to my glutes or curl my leg, it's gonna be harder to lift that weight up than it is to lower it to the ground. So knowing that means that we should be training every muscle. We should put more tension on the muscle eccentrically than there is concentrically, which mm -hmm. certain things that can do this are like band work or uh, mm -hmm. pulley work where you're, you're, you're doing it more tension at the top than it is at the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, and then another good way is just adding. So for every, however long it takes you to do the movement concentrically, double it for your eccentric move. So if it takes you one second to curl the curl bar, then you want to take two seconds to lower the curl bar. So this is putting adequate strain on the muscle. Um, and that way you're actually creating the proper training to allow the muscle to perform its activity. So yeah. you're, actually, you're actually training the eccentric portion, which will mm -hmm. help deaccelerate, which as we said earlier for the mechanism in, of injury, it's deaccelerating the body, right? So if, mm -hmm. if the most often damage or injury to the hamstring is when you're slowing down while sprinting, like like mm -hmm. slowing down to cut or something like that in a, in a sport, then it makes sense, right, to then train it in that fashion yeah. to prevent that injury from occurring. Yeah, and uh, especially kind of just building into that, and that's why we want uh, to train it at all angles, and especially in that lengthened state. Because you want to be able to slow it down there without, um, you know, having. You want that muscle to be able to be able to handle all of that force all at one time. So that's why going into that lengthened state is so important for this. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, for some prescription for some core training, uh, that's not as. I think that can be, you know, that's that's relative to the individual, right? I mean, yeah. you're looking at your planks. Uh, you know, I, you want a good combination of exercises that stabilize the spine, right? Mm -hmm. Like we talked about earlier, heavy weighted carries in one arm where you're keeping the spine in neutral with a yep. force um, all the way to planks where you're keeping it stable. And then inter intermixing that with uh, dynamic movements of the lumbar spine, such as like mm -hmm. lumber jacks, we call them, right? Like those rotations. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, just a lot of single arm resistance training will mm -hmm. do a lot of this for you because you're oh yeah you're keeping proper form keeping muscles tight keeping the spine neutral with an external weight on one mm -hmm. side of the body that's not on the other so yeah even a, something as simple as single arm bench press will do a little bit of this mm -hmm. the the goal make sure when you're doing things like this and the carries and the bench press or single leg romanians for instance you're not fixing you're not putting the other hand the free hand on something so you're not grabbing Correct. your leg grabbing your waist, you're keeping it exactly that free because mm -hmm. then you're relying 100% on the core yeah. and the other muscles like the glutes and stuff to stabilize for you rather than you right. stabilizing with your off arm. Yeah, and I really liked what you said um, with you know regards to the core because, I mean, for most athletic and strength-based things, you know, it, the core isn't moving. It's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's stabilizing neutral. so that way your limbs can do the motion. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's a really big component here. And so if anything, I'd probably gear most of my core training more towards that. And you have a few dynamic things in yeah. there. I mean, especially if you're in certain sports like, uh, you know, golf, for instance, where you have that yeah, baseball, huge, yeah. yeah, with that huge trunk rotation. But this is all sports specific and, you know, modify everything to suit your needs. Yeah. Yep. And when I, when I was in the strength and conditioning realm, a lot of what I like to do is exactly what you said. A lot of the just pure cookie cutter programs that i would create were this the the core strengthening was all it's all in neutral the spine's in neutral you're mm -hmm. you're just causing stability 
and control of that lumbar spine in whatever position you have it in. Yep. And then outside of that, it's all sport specific. So I'm not yeah. going to be doing uh, lumberjacks or like rotational based swing training with a, uh, I don't know, a, a soccer player or something or a football player because it's just a waste of our time, right? Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, you, you, like rotational stuff is good, but not in that specific pattern where you're swinging a club. Right. That's not going to apply to it. So. That's when you want to do your uh, core strengthening or maybe your neural retraining of the core to make it sport-specific. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Chuck. Um, is there anything else we want to add on that? I don't think so. I think we, I think we covered all the things we needed to for the basic uh, hamstring strain um, or pull or even you know mild tear. I, I think we uh, hammered home the, the big points. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, that's all I got. I think it's run its course. So uh, thanks for everyone that listened. Um, please like, subscribe, tell us what we're doing great or probably what we're doing terrible is more more accurate with that. No, no, I don't want to, I don't want to know that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so just like, subscribe, let us know what's going on, what you like, what you hate. Uh, who, tell us anything you really, really want about you. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll read the comment, I can be honest. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. So, uh, do you want to tell them to do something, Dan? Um, do your core training, yeah. <laughs> no, no, actual. Always. <laughs> <laughs> actual. BT. Nation. That was literally the worst one yet. 